I'm Doc. Issues from Capes on the Couch, a show that examines the mental health issues of comic book characters, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Today's date is May 22nd, 2023. It's episode 401, and I'm Stephen. Pleased to say Chris Farrell is here. Only because I'm contractually mandated to be. Somehow I made that international agreement work. We've also got SP. Guys, I didn't tell you about this before, but I might I might be a little crispy. I might be a little fried because on Friday, my daughter had a gender reveal for her new baby. And then I had to set up a new phone for my other daughter. On Saturday, I drove to Chicago to see my nephew play in a tournament. And then on Sunday, I drove down to Northern Kentucky to attend a graduation party for my daughter's boyfriend from college. And then it took me three hours to get home from there, which normally takes an hour, 20 minutes. And then I had to fix the toilet. So it's been a crispy three days. I got like, I don't know, two hours of sleep and 72 hours. I might go off on things and not know that I should be quiet. So you had to fix the toilet. I want to know what you ate because I'm assuming that your travel diet was what made you break the toilet. <laughs> it's already broke before I left, but it like completely broke. It started running all week. You just let it fester while you were away. It, it was like, oh, so you're going to ignore me? I'm going to show you who's boss. Well, we are here to talk geeky stuff, but if you're not in our Discord server, you should definitely be there. Come on over to www.gunnageek.com slash Discord because we have the best geek community around over there. Please enjoy all of the fun happenings over there. We got lots of fun people talking various different geekery and occasionally SP will tell you about his toilet. Come to the Gunna Geek Discord server. Can we make a channel for it? Uh, we should create a Toilet Talk channel, which I think oh. is a callback to very old Gunna Geek episode. We could do that. I mean, there's some fancy tech-related toilets out there. We could have a Toilet Talk channel. We should. Maybe we need to do uh, a follow-up episode. But if you want it, put hashtag Toilet Talk somewhere in the Discord so we can find <laughs> it. <laughs> so come on over to GunnaGeek.com slash Discord to the best geek community around. All right, we'll go ahead and start off the news, not with toilet talk. No, I'm sorry, SP, that's not happening first. Aww. But it might as well be because I think the, the writing on the wall that Disney Plus is going down the toilet. Ha <laughs> ha! Or is it that it's not Disney Plus, it's Disney Minus? Ha <laughs> ha! Again! Ah, uh, yes, Disney Plus has, well, I don't know if they've officially announced, but the 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 the, the rumors have been happening. The it's been confirmed that they're removing a whole bunch of titles. Now, this has been an ongoing saga over the last week because initially there was an article that came out talking a bunch of different titles that were planning to be removed. Then there was a follow-up saying, no, some of these are staying, but actually there's even more being removed. And then there was a third update saying even more are being removed. So 
I'm not exactly sure what the library current state is of titles being removed, but I will list some of them right now. It's uh, according to deadline, they will be as of May 26th removing uh, Willow, Big Shot, Turner and Hooch, The Mighty Ducks, Game Changers, Just Beyond, Diary of a Future President, The Mysterious Benedict Society, and The World According to Jeff Goldblum, Aww. as well as Hulu's Why the Last Man, Dollface, The Hot Zone, Maggie, Pistol, and The, La the Little Matt Demon. I mean, The Little Matt Demon. I mean, The Little Demon. A number of uh, other series are going to be leaving Hulu as well, because this is going to affect Hulu and Disney+. Plus. But again, some of those titles from that apparently are actually staying now. I don't know. I'm just waiting until May 26th to see what happens. But when I saw this come up, I wanted to bring this up because, you know, we talked in the Discord server, again, plug the Discord server, about how OSP was proven correct that, yes, they are going, you know, a long time ago on a, on a Galaxy Far, Far Away podcast, he did predict eventually Disney might start to do this. Well, I think that, I think that this is different than what SP suspected. It's the fact that the market has changed and now they're realizing all these streaming services that you can't get away with just a one-time charge. I think at the time we were talking about the idea of them maybe taking some of this content and putting it away to, you know, increase its value and whatnot. But I think with this, the rumors are they're looking just to basically option these rights out elsewhere to make some more money rather than just, you know, keep charging the one-time monthly fee for everything um, that, that we've seen with things like Disney Plus so far. And we're seeing this on other streaming services as well. But what really came to my mind when I saw this was actually the world according to Jeff Goldblum, because I remember when we were talking on that episode or a similar episode talking about Disney Plus that there was, this was a title that we had talked about that was coming out as a launch title. So it's interesting to me to see a Disney Plus launch title, one that was heavily touted, all of a sudden being removed. So I'm curious to see what the plan is with all of this here. The other side of it is that like Disney Plus launched before the pandemic. So I think there's, you know, there was probably a bit of an impact to what their strategy was before the pandemic and then how all a bunch of content was not created over the pandemic. So I, I bet that would have screwed up their numbers a little bit and, and their total plan. But this is happening across the board, different streaming services and SP. Yes, you are right. They pulled titles. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for that shout out. There are a few titles in here that I'm like, what? Why are you doing like Willow? It wasn't a huge hit, but everybody that watched it really enjoyed it. The Mighty Ducks Game Changers. You know, I'm from Minnesota, so I kind of liked it, but. They lost Emilio Estevez in the second season. I can't remember the exact reason. So I'm not surprised that that is leaving. Diary, Diary of a Future President. I remember that sounding kind of interesting, but maybe it was just too tweenish when it happened. I am totally shocked about Jeff Goldblum. I never watched the full series, but I did watch the first episode. I believe that was the episode about sneakers, right? So that was pretty cool. That one. I did watch all of Hulu's Why the Last Man interesting premise it got canceled after a season so i can see why people are like why do i want to watch this that sort the, of thing the comic's far better than the television adaptation read the comic if you have the time right so yeah you have all these leaving and my mind and we talked about it on the discord server my mind went to okay why and it's the residuals as chris you pointed out it's because 
they are not making enough money to pay out to have these available for stream. I don't know how those residuals work. I don't know if it's done by play or by longevity. Like maybe they were coming up on a contractual gate of if you're on our streaming service for so long, you get a bonus or something like that. So I don't know. You know what makes it more egregious right now is part of the writer's strike is about the writers trying to get residuals money for the series they write that are on streaming services. So they're striking right now and Disney's pulling content that these guys wrote. So that even if they do sign a deal and it, it's, it rolls back to stuff that was put out before, well, it's not on the service anymore. We don't have to pay you. I want to say just one more quick thing about this, and that is my prediction when I made it was about the Disney vault. Yes, That movies would be going in and out of the Disney vault. I don't think this is it. I think they're leaving because they can't afford them and that they will shop them to other streaming services to pick them up. So they might still be available, kind of like Westworld on HBO, where mm-hmm. they couldn't have it on the HBO service any longer. So they moved it somewhere else. I forget where it's at right now. But I think this is the same thing where they're not putting it in the vault. They're just removing it from their own streaming service and they're seeing if somebody else will pick it up. That's actually what I was getting at a minute ago when I was saying it was a little bit different. But then I backed off my point because I thought it came across as not giving you enough credit, SP, and I wanted to make sure that you got enough credit. So thank you for articulating better. But again, you deserve the credit because you called it, even though it was different. I have enough (laughs) credits to have a couple of master's degrees, you know, so, you know, thank you. Thank you very much. Effectively, they are vaulting it, though, because let's be honest, some of these things are not going to get picked up for any of the ad-supported networks out there, be it Roku TV, Tubi, things like that. So here's the thing. If you're someone who really loves Save the World, according to Jeff Goldblum, your only way to legally watch it is to watch it until the day it is no longer on the streaming service. There was never a physical media release for the world, according to Jeff Goldblum. But it could be available for purchase. Like Westworld is available for purchase. It could. And Disney hasn't said whether that's going to happen here or not. But if they do put it out for purchase, that gets them back into having to pay residuals based off the sales of things. And I honestly Mm, think that is what is driving most of this decision for Disney is the fact that residuals are expensive and Disney lost. Disney's losing subscribers. And the reason why is really entertaining to me because people in North America don't realize it. It's not because you'll hear the arguments Disney went woke or because Disney's not putting out as much good content. It's no. Disney lost cricket in India. They were making Mm -hmm. bank off of having cricket, the Indian Cricket League on Disney Plus in India because they inherited it when they merged a bunch of stuff together. And then they lost the deal and they've bled subscribers off ever since then. It's the cricket that was making a crap load of money for Disney Plus. Well, I look forward to seeing where these pop up. Uh, I will say on the Jeff Goldblum aspect, I kind of thought maybe they're looking to throw it on some of their their other channels um like i think they still have the national geographic channels around so maybe somehow that's a better marketing strategy that's where my mind went for that specific one but you're right it might just go away it could just be nowhere to be found i think as the writer's strike goes on if it keeps going longer than people anticipate you might start seeing some of this content that they have on their streaming services airing on live tv Mm -hmm. i To get back to the advertiser-supported networks, Chris, that you were talking about, I now have YouTube TV Plus, whatever it's called, and I saw my first This Moment of Zen is brought to you by YouTube TV. 
<laughs> Those ones are great. Yeah. So it's because they can't sell enough ads across the board. Correct. And those are generally where you would have a local ad or something that they just didn't sell. So you get your 15 second moment of Zen. <laughs> I didn't know that. All right. Well, I know that you like to cry. So why don't you tell me about tears? I'll tell you all about tears, but we're not talking about my tears. We're talking about tears of the kingdom, specifically Hyrule. For those that are unaware, the sequel to the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild dropped on May 12th. This is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It's a Nintendo Switch exclusive game. And the hype behind this game was unreal. And deservedly so. When you go and look at the reviews, it was getting like 9.8s and 10s across the board. It's a really good game. But the question is, what does this hype translate into besides good reviews? Well, if you're Nintendo, in the first three days the game came out, you sold 10 million copies of the game worldwide. But I'm not Nintendo, Chris. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry you're not. Four million of those 10 million were sold in North America. And there was a good shift towards people buying the game digitally. But why is this such an important feat? Well, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, the predecessor, has been out for six years. It's sold 30 million copies. So the sequel sold a third that many in two days, four days, whatever I said. I can't remember. And then more importantly, let's compare it to the best-selling game that's on the Switch, which is Mario Kart 8. That has sold 53 million copies. Again, Nintendo on The Legend of Zelda, a game that until recent day was not a huge sales mover, just sold 10 million copies in a span of a few days. And I'm sure it's going to keep going. And they're going to sell a lot. The game is deservedly well hyped. I'm enjoying it a lot. But more importantly, what this should show to the industry is there's still a desire for single person, open world RPG, adventure, action, exploration type games. Not everything has to have a battle pass or online multiplayer or six different things of DLC that need to be added to it. Nintendo sold me a game that is the whole game and it runs surprisingly well on my six-year-old hardware. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by it and I will not be shocked as these numbers continue to grow because it is a really good game. I have heard so much fanfare about this. And and I want to know what why is it the fanfare? Is it the fact that people have been waiting for something? Is it is it just the game itself? But I've just heard so many people talking about this. So Breath of the Wild was so good and a little bit different compared to the previous Zelda formula because it was open world with crafting and cooking aspects and things like that that it kind of freshened up the formula and a lot of people got into it because it was a launch game. And then in the midst of the pandemic, there's a lot of people that went back to it because there's so much content that you can do in Breath of the Wild that it was a good way for people to fill time. Well, Nintendo took that same formula. They've added it to Tears of the Kingdom. But now basically you have the ability in the previous game, you had things like telekinesis and magnetic abilities and things like that. You have new abilities in this game that allow you to basically build things. And by that, I mean. They, they drop me down in the tutorial world and there's a lake that I have to get across and I can't swim it because my character doesn't have the stamina. I'll try. I'll drown if I try. So I ended up having to use my powers in an axe. And what I did is I chopped down three trees. I was able to use the ultra hand, which is an ability that Link has given in the beginning of this to pick up the three trees that have been turned into logs, put them side by side, glue them together, then pick them up, toss them in the water. And then I was able to put a sail on it and I was able to jump on the boat that I made to cross the lake and then not die. So they've put a lot of creative uses of you have these new powers that allow you to build things. And of course, then the internet finds out random things they can do with it if they have to make penises and things like that because that's always the gag of internet <laughs> stuff is you have to put penises in games. 
but there's some really cool creative stuff you've seen people do. Like people built cars in breath in uh tears of the kingdom because of the pieces they had with wheels and fans and motors and stuff like that. So they're using these cars to drive across the open plains and things like that. So the, it kind of scratches that itch for creativity and building. You see a lot of people that like Minecraft and building and crafting. Well, we've got that here in a Zelda game where you also have swashbuckling, adventuring, puzzles, fighting. It's a good mix of things. Well, question for you. You said that people are building penises and that yes. people are building cars. Have they built penis-shaped cars? That's the big yes. question. Okay, perfect. That's all I need to know. <laughs> They've also built penises that they can beat enemies with because... One of the abilities you have is to rewind time. So what they do is they'll have a quick build that is a log with two boulders on either side of it, which you could argue is a hammer, and they'll pick it up with the ultra hand and they'll spin it around in circles. And then they'll drop it on the ground and they'll run and get some enemies to chase them. And the uh, your hand has another ability called recall. It allows you to select an object that you've manipulated and rewind it. So as soon as the enemies come close, they'll pick up the hammer. Hammer. Uh, let me put air quotes there and you can use Captain Hammer's quote from uh, Dr. Horrible to know what it really looks like. They'll pick it up and they'll hit the recall ability and then it picks up and starts spinning around backwards to go back to how it was before you started moving it around. And you can literally beat the hell out of enemies with sticks that you spin or, that you spun around in the air and then hit the rewind button on. There's some really creative stuff to do. There are so many jokes to be had in there and I'm not yes. going to make any of them. I kid you not, you can go through and look at like some of the hashtags and stuff on Twitter and some of the stuff that people have made is really inventive. And then you've got some of the inventive ways that people use phallic shaped objects because it makes <laughs> them laugh because let's be honest, that's what happens on the internet. <laughs> it's true. SP, do you have any, uh, any questions about the uh, phallic shaped <laughs> devices? No, I don't, but I have something that's switch related and that is you can get these joy-con sides for your tv and i saw a video that somebody motorized it so when they put a switch hit a button or whatever the sides the joy-con sides move out and then inside were game controllers for your like console games and it would spin around and it was all led lighted and stuff did you guys see that i did see that i've seen that one pop up a few times i think it was one of those things that popped up while you're in the throes of the pandemic when people had a lot of time <laughs> to be at home and work on projects. And this was one of those pandemic projects is someone's like, I'm going to make a cool entertainment center for all my video games. Cause they also had a bunch of other Nintendo consoles that were hidden inside those joy cons and a mm -hmm. fancy AV switcher hidden away. So if they turned on the NES, it would flip to that. And then they could turn on the GameCube. It was really and cool. all those things. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I found the video the and put it in the chat. Yeah. And if you that, want to come over, listener, to our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord, come on over to the official Gunna Geek channel, and you can see that on today, the 22nd of May, 2023. I have put it in the Gunna Geek channel. I'm not putting in the show notes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have people come to the Ooh, Discord. <laughs> Rebel. Let me see. Rebel. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of phallic-shaped objects, tell us about Starship. <laughs> Nice <laughs> transition. <laughs> All right. That's pretty cool. All right. So SpaceX, as I talked about last time, launched Starship for the first time on April 20th, 2023. It was a four-minute flight. Uh, you can say it was successful because it got off the pad, but it destroyed the pad in the process, and it blew up four minutes later. And the whole self-destruct thing didn't work as promised either. So they still have to work through that. However, Elon did say that 
we're going to be ready to go in one to two months. Now, we talked all about Elon time last time, so I'm not going to go into that again. But basically, you multiply his estimate by four. However, if you are keeping track and you're like, oh, Elon said it was one to two months, this is where we are one month later. It is one month and two days. And no, they're not going to launch Starship version two or whatever they're going to call it tomorrow because it's just not ready. However, on May the 13th, which is roughly a week and change ago, they did a improved Raptor 3 engine test. And this thing is even better than Raptor 2, which is great. So they're looking for even more performance for these engines to get even more thrust so they can put more weight into orbit, basically, is what it comes down to. So I will put all these links in the Discord in the Gunna Geek channel. So you can go to that to see all of this. This is basically tweets and a couple of articles. The next thing, on May 15th, SpaceX hired former NASA human flight space flight chief Kathy Luters to head up their human space flight division, or at least assist in that. And so she'll be working out of Boca Chica, Texas. There you go. You can take a drink. Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica. And she is going to bring all sorts of experience with human space flight to the company. And she's already familiar with the company because they ran the whole crude dragon experiment, which is the only commercial operational at this point, at least that vehicle that can take humans to the international space station. That's it. It's either this or the Russians for now. There are others that are coming, but SpaceX is doing that. So Kathy Luters is very familiar with it. So she is going to help with their human landing system and everything else that they're doing, which, oh, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw this, but on that same day, there was an article that said SpaceX just revealed plans to launch its first commercial space station and you can reserve your seat now. Did you guys see that article? I did. I put my deposit down. I hear that it's going to come the same time as my Cybertruck. I was going to ask if it was the same amount as your Cybertruck because it's only $132,000 per person. That's actually affordable for a trip to space. I have to say, that doesn't sound bad. <laughs> like, no. Like, obviously, I can't afford it. But if we're talking to space travel, like, that's that opens it up to a certain amount of people in the world. Yeah, that gets you six hours in space. Doesn't get you to a space station, but it gets you six hours. That's actually pretty cool. So, yeah, they're into that. So, Kathy will be helping out with that. And then on 18 May, just a few days ago, they moved Ship 25 to the launch site and they're doing a six engine static fire test with it. They're preparing for it. They haven't done it yet. So, they're getting it ready for flight. And the, also, I know you guys saw this the Raptor engine that fired directly into a water cooled plate for an extended period of time. Did you guys see that? That was awesome. They were testing the cooling plate and the fact that it wouldn't explode the launch site like the first launch of Starship did. Did you guys see that? I did not, no. No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, man. But I'll be taking the links in here and looking at them after the show. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. And then just yesterday, they launched Axiom 2, which is their next generation of civilian space flight to the International Space Station. So the crew of Axiom 2 is now on board the International Space Station. They docked with it. And yeah, so this is where we are one month and two days later. Starship hasn't launched. They are repairing the launch site. They are putting a 
diverter water cooler system underneath it. They're probably uh, improving the quick disconnect on the launch site. So they are moving forward. It just wasn't one month. We'll see where they are at month two when we record our next episode. Hey, what happened, by the way, I know this isn't SpaceX related, but what what happened with the space uh, station um, not too long ago and they had to go and uh, didn't they have to all go to their their craft and wear their uh, their um, spacesuits and, and prep to possibly an emergency evacuate or something? That's happened a few times. The place is older than you, Stephen. So, <laughs> I mean, so it, it's pretty it's, it's pretty young then. Hey. <laughs> now it's uh, a little bit dangerous when you have space junk that might be coming plus the leaks especially from the russian side that they keep blaming the western companies uh, countries for and it's just because it's old and it's failing and they just it's they're russian they need to blame somebody but this does get into the longevity of the international space station and how long everybody wants it to run i think all the western countries have extended it to 2030 i'm not russia i think is at 2028 or 2029 they haven't gone the full length of the extension yet but they did extend it so they do plan on working together and it's really awkward really really awkward because you have all these sanctions especially in the space sector against russia because of what's going on in ukraine and these people are having to work together and like nasa astronauts are still going to russia to launch on soyuz it's just really really awkward it does remind me a lot of the 2010 a space odyssey uh, movie where you did have a global situation between the soviet union and the united states and they were on the same spaceship and they were having to work together so there is precedent for this in sci-fi it's different though because you don't have big obelisk that is you know in orbit around in this case jupiter or saturn or wherever it was it's not the same thing it's just humans on a space station in 200 miles up so a little bit different well we look forward to your direct reporting from your hundred and forty thousand dollar space flight <laughs> i'm considering it i mean i do have a retirement account Oh, look at that. He's going to go ahead and sell a portion of his uh, podcast equipment. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, this is for sale right now. It's it, it's on my uh, back. Uh, got, it, got a microphone here, a Lux Dynamic podcast microphone. For the audio listener, he's, hol he's holding up a microphone. Chris is offering a dollar, as you heard him say. Dollar. And I think that it is worth a dollar twenty-five. Canadian or American? <laughs> All right, let's go on to the next news point here, which is all about Wink. Have you heard that name in a while? Uh, no, I can't wait. I, I purposely didn't read your show notes on this because I wanted just to get the whole experience of how Wink screwed up again, probably. Can I sell my hub too now? <laughs> so for those of you who don't remember what Wink is, aside from SP, always winking whatever we talk about Wink, uh, Wink was a company that was a, an early smart home hub company, and they did a lot of things actually quite well. They had a pretty big market as far as distribution across different retailers, had an international market. They had a really slick app. They were quick to adopt new standards. They came out with a second version of their hub when the first version couldn't continue to operate with modern hardware, and then they sucked. Uh, that's basically the gist of it. They got bought by, by Will.i.am. 
from that's why the infamous <laughs> black eyed peas member will i am uh so his company did buy them and they just fell apart and this is something that chris and i both were using in our early smart home days i think i got into it through chris actually then we convinced sp to come along for the ride and and he didn't even get it going just because it sucked like right after he bought it so sp still has his wing hub unused in the box and there's been problems after problems over the years. This has been a situation where we both individually jumped ship based off of different outages at different times because this is the cycle. Wink has a bunch of problems. And I think the biggest one was about a year or so ago when it was like a month long outage. It was a while back and it was With like no transparency. Yeah, no transparency. And keep in mind, up to that point, there was a history of no transparency, but this was the real mind-blowing one because it was like a whole month of outage. Well, guess what? It happened again. Uh, last week, Wink once again went through this where Reddit suggested this article to me. That's why I figured it out. But Wink ended up going through, having a random issue, having very little communication, and it was, again, not a very good looking thing. Essentially, what Reddit tells me is that people can't properly log into the account because a 500 server error does show up when people try to log in. And Wink went and posted a couple updates while they were in the thick of it. The latest update on their status page was from May 15th. And the latest status that was actually posted on their blog was May 19th. And again, today we're recording this on May 22nd. And currently, it basically says, quote, actually, I'll just quote it. It says, quote, we apologize for the ongoing system disruptions. Our teams have identified the issue that is impacting the Wink Core API, the Wink App Remote Control, Voice Controllers, Wink Hubs, API Device Connectivity, Password Resets, and other systems are affected. Basically, they've said we have a problem and we're not fixing it yet. That's, that's the gist of the update. Yep. And there's been no update since. And people on Reddit are still complaining. And the cycle is continuing. People are saying, oh, I should have bailed last time. Or maybe this is the time. And I'm sure people will continue to be lazy and not actually migrate. And then we'll be pissed off the next time it happens. And friendly reminder, it's a paid service now oh, yeah, to use them point. for home automation. I forgot that, about that. Yeah, that that's when I jumped off is when they said, oh, we're going to turn this into a paid service. And I went, this service is neither stable enough nor good enough for me to give you, I think, six bucks a month or nine bucks a month. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's right, because they introduced the subscription model and then still had issues. And they introduced the subscription model after having issues. So, yeah, it's just been a nightmare. And I'm glad that mine is in a bin in the garage somewhere. I might even go leave it out on my back garden as decoration. <laughs> We should put some LED lights around it, make it glow like a Christmas present or something. Well, I figure that, uh, you know, it would be a good home for rats or something. I mean, the whole problem with this is it went from being like this cutting edge thing where they had this small group and it was new tech tech with angel investors backing it to getting bought by GE, I think it was. Then GE ended up selling it. And then I think somewhere down the path, Will I Am bought it. If you go and look at Will I Am's tech company history, you should have known right then that it was just going to go to poop because they cut everyone because they can't afford to keep things running. I mean, the last time we saw the outage there was because I think the certificate expired and no one had repurchased the stuff to ensure their certificates were valid 
on anything. So they spent like a week trying to get their certificates updated so that we could, you know, do basic things like log in and use the application. And I don't think that this is coming back. They're so far behind at this yeah. point in time because the service is degraded so much. Like, have you heard any mention of Wink and Matter support? Now I have my doubts as to what's happening with Matter, but they're not even in the conversation. No. If you want to, if you want to do smart home automation right now, you don't look at Wink. Anyone who does is kidding themselves because you can go with other services that don't charge you a monthly fee that are infinitely more stable. You can go with self-hosted services if you want to. They require a little bit of work on your end, but do not go down the path of Wink in 2023. If this was six, eight years ago, you would have been smart as hell to go down the path of Wink because that's when they were on the forefront of things. But they have neither the personnel, the staff, the money, or the vision to do anything at this point in time besides just keep taking money and hoping someone comes and acquires them. In our chat, by the way, uh, we had Suncast bring up a point. He goes, what is the current user base count? That was actually a note that I put in the doc is I, I wonder the same thing. How many do they really have left? And out of those, how many people actually want to be there but are either too lazy to migrate, haven't got around to migrating, or can't afford to migrate? They're just like, I, I can't afford to get a new hub. I'd love to know how many actually are like, I'm happy to be with Wink. There's something to be said for the lazy factor. That's what honestly put me off from doing it for so long. Is like, oh my God, I have so many devices. I don't want to deal with it. But then my cheapness overcame my laziness when they decided they were going to move it to a paid platform. And I went, there's absolutely no way I'm paying for this service. It's not that good. After, you know, all their advertisement had always been, this is going to be free. No cost to users. <laughs> okay, SP. Is this going to yep. make you unbox that wing hub? <laughs> <laughs> it makes you want to sell it even more on eBay. I'll, actually, I, I, there's a bunch of stuff. Like I said, I'm, I'm ready to sell it. This weekend, I will be posting a lot of stuff and selling it. And it's mostly going to be audio equipment, but there's going to be some electronics like the Wink Hub. I, mm, yeah, this is uh, <laughs> like, I, I mean, why, 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 why are you, why is this still, I don't understand. Why are people even caring at this point? It's just, I just don't get it. This is at the point where it's like, uh, how many your stupids do you need to have before you realize you're stupid? Yeah, that's exactly kind of why I, I, for those of you who are listening to the audio side of things, on the video side of things, on my news point, I've actually called this the annual Wink status update because unless they close, I'm not going to talk about them again probably till next year, but it's the same cycle. It's the it's same thing that happens over and over. They have an issue. People say, I'm going to jump off. And then they come back and they go, I never jumped off last time. I should have jumped off last time. It's, it's a constant cycle. <laughs> and, and there's also the fun of Suncast was joking. The chair saying in 10 years, you'll find them in church garage sales. But if I recall correctly, when they moved to their paid model, it required a firmware update. And if you didn't do the firmware update on your hub within a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. it effectively bricked your hub. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. By the way, you said you might sell at SP. Uh, I've mentioned a few times on this podcast that that for years when I've gone into my local Home Depot, I have I've seen the Wink Hub 2 for sale in there collecting dust. The last <laughs> time I was in, I didn't see it there, but I just checked. And according to the Home Depot Canadian website, there are still several in stock at that Home Depot and another <laughs> nearby location. And there's one at a third one that's about an hour away. So if I really wanted to, I could scoop up all those SP. 
How much are they? Uh, when I saw them, they were still charging full price. And uh, the website says 139 And that's what I had seen them in the store at full price. 139 Canadian. If they can sell like half of those, that's their profit for the year. <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind, yeah. by the way, that Home Depot bought these from Wink a long time ago already. So there's no profit for Wink to be had further. No, I think he was talking about Home Depot because their profits went down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Either or. I, I got oh, you now. We can go with both. <laughs> I'm picking up now. All right. Let's go on to the next thing here, which is all about Google I.O. Well, we're going to talk about Google I.O., but we're not going to go in depth. So for those who are unaware, a couple of weeks back, Google I.O. occurred, which is one of Google's big events where they talk about upcoming hardware, software features and things like that. And as is our nature on this show, we like to talk about hardware. So I'm going to talk about some of the hardware to come out of Google I.O. and say, if you want to learn more about a lot of the AI tools and editing tools, because a lot of time was spent on that, you'd be better off listening to some stuff like Daily Tech News Show or other tech-focused podcasts in that regard. Though one note I will make in regards to all the AI talk that I thought was interesting is like this show was jammed full of, here's all the things we're doing with AI. Here's how AI is going to help us. Every other word was AI. The word Google Assistant was not said once this year at Google I.O., where if you go back to last year, I think, I can't remember what tech blog I read that said it, said they said the words Google Assistant 90 some odd times in their Google I.O. event. So uh, yeah, me thinks that Google Assistant's going by the wayside for them to try and put these AI tools into everything now. But that's just personal opinion. Interesting. Um, I could see that. I could see why they're trying to do that. But also it seems like a conscious effort if it's that stark of a difference. So let, let's talk about the hardware because that's more fun. All of this hardware leaked ahead of time. So we sort of knew it was coming. Let's start first with the Pixel tablet. Like I said, leaks were true. But what is interesting here is this is Google's first foray back into the tablet business since the well-liked Pixel, excuse me, Nexus 7 tablet that, God, what was that, seven years ago now that was out? Eight years ago? It's been quite a while, but... It was a pretty solid tablet. So what do you get if you buy the Pixel tablet? It's a $499 tablet. It's a slab that is also bundled with a speaker dock slash charging station for the device. These begin shipping on June 20th. You can pre-order them right now. So what is kind of interesting is the tablet itself, when you want to charge it, it magnetically clips into this speaker dock, which then gives it the appearance of the Nest Hub Max devices that Google currently sells. It turns it into kind of virtual assistant slash chat station so that you could do video chats and have it propped up exactly how you wanted and music device. It's interesting in that regard. And I think the charging setup is a unique idea. And Google's motivation from what they'd said was tablets have oftentimes become drawer devices that they just sit dusty in a drawer until someone remembers, oh, yeah, I have that and can use it. So their thought is if we can keep it front and center, people are more likely to use their tablet. Whether you believe that or not is your own opinion. Let's get into the specs a little bit. Like I mentioned, $499. For that, you get an 11 inch, 16 by 10, 25, 60 by 1600 pixel display with bezels all around. The device will be available in three colors, white, dark green, and light pink. It will have the same Tensor G2 processor found in the Pixel 7 and 7 Pro, the Pixel 7a, and the upcoming Pixel Fold. Spoiler alert, we'll be talking about that soon. Paired with 8 gigs of RAM and either 128 gigs or 256 gigs of storage. According to Google, the battery will provide up to 12 hours of video streaming between charges. There's a USB port on the device itself, so you can charge that way. However, the device does not come with a USB 
charging cable or brick because it comes with the speaker dock. And what is interesting about this that we can also glean of Google's motivations is it's a household device. There's not even an option to get LTE or 5G connectivity on the Pixel tablet. So what I find is the most interesting, and we sort of talked about this when it leaked, was the bundled dock that is a charging station slash speaker dock. I think it's a missed opportunity. Now, to be clear, you get one bundled with the device itself. You can buy them separately for $129. So in theory, you could put a speaker dock in, say, two or three other locations in your house. So you could take the tablet with you, dock it in that room when you're not using it to be a music device or something like that. What I think the missed opportunity is, is when the tablet's not connected to it, it's a dumb device. So it's not like it has the brains of any of the Nest Home devices where you could say, hey, G-Word, tell me such and such. You can only do that when the tablet is docked to it. So for $129, you're literally just buying a speaker and charging dock that works only with your tablet. No Bluetooth in it, no smart home automation capabilities or anything in this dock. And I think that's kind of a, a miss. And hopefully if they decide to do a Gen 2 of this product, that's something they consider because if you want people to have more than one dock in their house, give it smart capabilities because you're not always going to have the tablet on it. And it's just dead dumb hardware if you don't have anything connected. Yeah, I can see there being a bit of a problem between the, the idea of, of having a dock there and using it as a dock if it has a display. Like some people might go start to go, well, why am I going to put this onto the dock if it's already got a display? But they should have put like an audio only assistant in there so that way it was still able to have smart home capabilities I mean, but it still might buy one of those i can buy one of those for 20 bucks on sale in the google store right now yeah and so at least yeah. if it had that in there right it would be some form of features for people to have around and so uh, yeah i i really liked the idea of this when we first heard about it but when i saw the rollout of it i'm i'm concerned about the practical application the way they've done it especially with the pricing of that dock well, I mean, if it didn't come bundled with a dock, I think we'd be talking a different story. I I don't think the price point's bad when you consider the fact it's the tablet and the dock. No, I'm talking about the price of the dock itself. Like, if you want to get an extra one, that's where I think it's it's kind of high. That's ridiculous. $130 for an extra one that is literally dumb hardware that can only be used with that tablet. And so if the tablet breaks or you lose it, you just have a dead dock there that doesn't do anything else. No. Well, what about the Fold? Because you were you were going to talk about the fold there too. Yeah, so I was really curious about the Pixel Fold, and it it turns out that most of the rumors we heard about it were true. Sadly, the early rumors about the price point and them wanting to undercut Samsung were not true. The Pixel Fold will retail for the 128 gig model at 1799, so 1800 bucks. That is not really something that I'm considering because foldables all have a high price point. Let's keep that in mind, but. Even if you were considering it, Samsung is going to drop their new Pixel, or excuse me, the Samsung Fold, but four or five, probably in the next two or three months. It's, it's tough to say you want to jump on that right now, but Google did debut it. It is their first foldable. It's got a 5.8 inch screen on the outside and a 7.6 inch display on the inside with pretty substantial bezels, which people are complaining about. I don't have a problem with the bezels because it gives you something to hold on the phone with or when it's in tablet mode without your thumbs triggering the screen plus it also allows them to put the selfie camera just in the bezel instead of having to do what we're seeing now which is hide them behind pixels on your led on your oled screen and their crappy cameras then 
It's running on the Tensor G2 chipset, like we mentioned the other devices will be doing. Paired with 12 gigs of RAM, it will have an IPX8 rating for water resistance. Supposedly, the hinge mechanism they're putting in place will have the ability to keep dust and water out and things like that, but it does not have like IP68 certifications or anything like that. I don't think any foldables do. So the weak point is always going to be dust getting in where the hinge is. They put the Pixel Fold on pre-order that same day that they announced it for $1,800, like I mentioned, the first batch of which will begin shipping on June 27th. Now, I was considering it if I could either get a good trade-in or if they would add it to Pixel Plus, which is a service I use, or Pixel Pass, excuse me. So I'd asked them on Twitter that same day, hey, is this coming to Pixel Pass? And then I kind of had to wait for about a week before they got back to me. And they said, no, we have no plans to put this on Pixel Pass. I went, well, that's one reason I'm not going to consider it because I like having those bundled services because it saves me a little bit of money there. And then I started considering it too because I saw in the Google store they were offering trade-in bonuses. And I, I put my Pixel 6 Pro on there just for craps and giggles to see what they had offered. It was 220 bucks, I think it was. I went for 220 bucks. No, there's no way. I do have my cell phone service through Google Fi, which is Google's cellular service. If I did my trade-in via Google Fi, they would give me $800 worth of bill credits over 24 months that would effectively drop my price of the phone down to $1,000. But again, no, no. Mm -hmm. It's just too rich for my blood, like I was afraid would happen with most foldables. So I will curiously watch from the sidelines while others get to experience the phone and probably be less frustrated that way. I have to say, uh, as much as this is a high price point, as much as I'm out, continue to be out as much as I I was just recently in a store looking at Samsung's foldable and going, damn, that's really ugly where the hinges like like, I'm sorry, it's it's ugly on the screen where on, on both both the fold and the flip they're, they're ug- ugly. So I don't like the way that that is as much as that's the case. I like that Google's doing this, even if there's a, you know, some stumbling here or, or whatever happens. I think that it's good that they're doing a little bit of what what the Pixel did, which is injecting a different idea into a certain market and trying to make make uh, like Samsung and, and hopefully others pull up their socks a little bit and look at things a little bit different. That's what the Pixel did. The Pixel completely changed the way some things were looked at as far as price points, as far as way cameras could be used and whatnot. And I think that we might get a little bit of similarity here for the pixel fold coming into the foldable market. What is interesting with the way the pixel fold folds is that when you fold it shut, it's flat. If you go and look at something like the, uh, not the Z flip, but the Z fold that Samsung has, you can see it's kind of a teardrop shape on its side when it's shut. So they have a different hinge mechanism that allows them to fold it flat, which I think is really interesting and makes it a better form factor. Honestly, what's really interesting when you think about it is remember the Microsoft Duo Android phone we were talking about that was two two separate screens and unfolded. This is what the Pixel Fold is. It's just with a solid OLED screen, which kind of shows that Microsoft was a bit right with the approach they're going because it was the right dimension screens and things like that, but they never quite got the software right and it's basically been abandoned at this point in time. But Google took that and said, let's make a foldable out of it because remember, there's rumors that the Pixel Fold was ready last year but that they've kept working on it to put better polish on it and to get the Android OS properly prepared for the things they wanted to do. And that's where we are, where we are now. SP, are you going to buy it? 
We're not going to buy it, but I'm excited by it. I'm excited by it because as more companies actually get into the foldable market, the more variety of tech is going to be available. And even if Pixel's fold line eventually closes, what they will effectively be doing is showing that their technology didn't work, or maybe it worked, but they just didn't sell, but the innovations would be there so they can be picked up by other companies. So the more companies that can actually develop and field foldables, I'm all for, because I do think it's in the future of of, uh, phones is to go this way. Uh, Eventually we might get screens that roll up and roll down. You know, I'm, I'm all for that. I'll give an example from just screen monitors where we are today from the technology, right? So, and, and this is not really a revolution or anything. It's just a combination of things. At work, I have a 49-inch monitor. I can make that monitor two different monitors with two different inputs, or I can make it one huge monitor. And there is no bevel in between because it's one huge mo- monitor. I think the technology eventually is going to get to that point. And I'm excited that Pixel's in this game. Because that means that there's an outside party that's looking into it. I, I got to believe that Apple's eventually going to launch a foldable. You have Samsung with the foldables. You have different foldables out there. I'm glad that Pixel's in this. Am I going to buy it? Hell no. Not for <laughs> $1,900. But I'm excited about that. As for Chris, you said nobody uses tablets anymore. They stick them in a drawer. I actually, I don't know well, if that it's... Google, a, that's Google's assertion. I disagree. I use my tablet every day. Right. But that was how Google was spinning why they did their method for for Pixel tablet. Okay, so I have all iOS tablets in my house. Now, I had a Surface 1 at one point. All my iOS tablets, even the iPad 2, I'm not talking about like the iPad 2, the second generation. I'm talking about the original iPad 2. I have my dad's old iPad 2. It is still in use. It's just a dumb monitor, but it's still in use today. And it's got to be 15 years since that first came out, something along those lines. So yeah, tablets can stick around for a while. Is it going to last forever? No, because the battery's eventually going to go out on it. Well, and it's just the way it is. It's going to be tossed eventually. And the, and the OS itself won't be able to keep up with any sort of security. So I get that. It's, like I said, just a dumb display right now. That's all that's going on, but it's still in use. So that's pretty cool. And if other players like Pixel can do it, right? So I'm all for that. I'm all for the diversity in tech. I'm not, even though I am predominantly an iOS user, just want to state again that I am on fan of diversity. It's going to increase the iOS devices that I buy in the future because I have to because of family reasons. And it's going to leave those devices available for me to use in the future like I have in the past. I have used Android devices in the past. I like them. I enjoy them. I just on iOS because of family considerations. In regards to the tablet stuff, too, we also have to consider that those folks that are on this show and probably many that listen to this show or watch it, we're a bit more tech-savvy than the traditional consumers there. So it wouldn't be unheard of for us to have stuff like that. Part of what we've talked about on this show and others have too is that as cell phones have gotten bigger and as we get foldables that basically give you a tablet in your pocket that you can unfold, tablet usage, I think, starts to go down because why do I need this tablet when I can just unfold my cell phone that's like an inch and a half smaller than a baseline tablet or something like that? So we're starting to see some of that shake out as well. And side note, if you guys get a chance, the software that they are showing off for Android that's going to be on the Pixel Fold to accommodate dual screens and multitasking, that is really cool. And I think that is also going to help the other foldable makers 
with things going forward. Although I know we're running short on time. So let me just say real quick, Pixel 7 also came out that same day. It was announced in not but for pre-order that day for sale the same day as Google I.O. They did introduce uh, wireless charging, although it's slow at 7.5 watts. It had 90 hertz refresh, 90 hertz display refresh rate, which was an upgrade. And it pretty much stayed in line with the tech expect the tech specs that we'd seen with the 6A and the 5A line, where it was a processor upgrade, similar cameras. The interesting thing was the price point jumped up about 50 bucks because of some of the upgrades they made. Yeah, and just to clarify, this was the 7A. I think you said 7. Um, but Oh, my, my apologies. I might have. I think this, this phone here actually has some features that are better than the 7, and you can kind of extrapolate from there what we can, we can expect to see come uh, the 8 based off of that. If you guys really want to know about the 8, it's already leaking. You yeah. can go and find all the stuff that's going to be in the 8. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, they have a temperature sensor in it now. They, they have other things they should focus on, but right. we'll see. <laughs> and uh, SP, Blue Origin, Moonlander, what's up? We'll get to that in a second. I just want to take one quick side note and state that I was listening to another podcast that some friends of mine were on, and they were talking about their teachers when they were growing up saying that you can't use a calculator in math class because you'll never have a calculator with you when you grow up <laughs> yeah. in your pocket at all times. Well, guess what? Yep. You have a calculator in your pocket when you leave the house all the time with a smartphone. And even some of the flip phones have calculators, too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. take that math teachers. I've actually, you know, gone to my former math teachers homes and actually stood outside there and uh, <laughs> and, and told them that thing. I've got a calculator <laughs> in my pocket. Yeah. Now, they also said like algebra will be useful in the future. And yes, it is useful in the future, uh, even today. But uh, calculators there. OK, yes. Blue Origin. Let's talk about that. Blue Origin is also in the space race. We've talked about them before. They had that mishap a while back. They're coming back for it, from it. But they also, just like SpaceX, competed for the human landing system to be the first system to, uh, to land people, astronauts, back on the moon. And Blue Origin lost that competition. They went with SpaceX because it was more realistic and it looked like the technology was further along and yada, yada, yada. Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos in particular, made a big stink. Like, well, this was unfair competition. You didn't tell us these were the parameters. Blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, they did tell you the parameters and you chose to go down a different path. It happens in government contracting all the time. There was an article this past week that they won on May, Friday, May 19th. They won the competition for the next generation, or it's called SLS, or the second chance contest, basically, of the moon landing. They will put about $7 billion in the project. NASA is going to put $3.4 billion into it, and they're going to match. Jeff Bezos, Blue Origin, is going to match about the rest of the $3.6 billion. And I like this. This is actually cool. It's not any different than what SpaceX is doing. SpaceX is actually putting a lot of its own money into the human landing system. They want to use that portion of Starship to go to Mars. So it's beneficial to them. And they're kind of using NASA to fund part of the development to go forward. And Blue Origin is no different in this case. I don't think Blue Origin intends to land their version on Mars. But it will be good to have two different competing versions to land 
on the moon. And we've all seen what competition has done before. With the capsule to go up to the International Space Station, there was a variety of different competitors. Only one made it through. Uh, there was the Boeing Starliner, which still has yet to make an operational flight. And then you have the Dragon capsule that has done various different flights. I think, well, I believe they're on Crew 6 right now. So six numbered crew flights, the demonstration flights, and then civilian commercial flights as well. They've got well over 10, maybe even closing on 15 flights with that right now. And they're the only ones. Nobody else has done it yet. I am for this. If SpaceX can't make their human landing system go, then I want Blue Origin to be there to pick it up. It's all good for the advancement of space. No, I 100% agree. And I've been thinking a little bit about, about the whole SpaceX thing. And you know, I, I've made it no secret before. I think that SpaceX has done a lot for, I, I've been, you know, as, as a guy that just only grew up watching the stories of space races and things like that, you know, there there was nothing really crazy happening while I grew up. So when all of a sudden this, this new space boom happened, I, I've been really excited about it. And I think SpaceX has had basically been responsible for the new modern um, evolution in, in space uh, exploration and whatnot. But at the end of the day, they're a private entity. And what happens if all of a sudden something changes and, and, you know, like, let's say Elon decides to sell it out for whatever reason. And then there's a whole new strategy shift that happens with the company. I think that it, you know, being a private entity, it's a really good idea to have multiple competitors in the area because that could happen. That happens with lots of private companies. They're sold and all of a sudden a new direction happens. And that could very well happen with something like SpaceX. Wink. (laughs) 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 Or or I'll give you a worst case scenario. Say we go 10 years down the road and we actually have human presence on the lunar surface. You have the gateway station that's orbiting it, but you are building a human presence on the lunar surface and you have the human landing system that goes down and somehow has a mishap and is grounded. But you have people on the surface of the moon that need to get back because you can only spend so much time in space radiation, stuff like that. It would be awesome to have a lifeboat of a second lander. The It's sustaining lunar development contract is what they're calling SLD. It would be amazing to have that lifeboat of an additional one. Or say you have a, a, another country like China or Russia, probably China, the way things are going, having a presence there and they have a mishap and you just need the capacity for two to do those crew transits for a few years as they work through their mishap investigation and get their lander flying again. So all sorts of good things here. It's a lot of money. It's three and a half additional billion dollars just to develop it. That's not even to fly it. And I don't know what kind of rocket it's it's planning on launching. I didn't look into it that much, but it would be awesome just to have the lander available to go. Like I said, all for that. I know it's a lot of money, but if you're going to do this, if you're going to look at continuing human presence on the lunar surface, if you're going to look at putting humans on Mars, then this is all good and a great time to be alive. This is fantastic. I I hope I'm alive when we first land humans on the Mars but I don't know if I will be. I I just don't know how long this is going to take and how many years I have left. But this is all exciting to me. This is my life. This is amazing. I wanted to be on the first landing on Mars when I was trying to be an astronaut. That's not going to happen. 
but I would be amazed. It would just be so amazing to watch that happen in, in real time, because it's not like you said, the Apollo program. I was really young when the Apollo program was going. I don't remember much of it. I remember the excitement of it because I was a kid. It was like, yeah, yeah, this is fun. Yeah. But not really understanding all of it. I do remember the shuttle and that development thinking it was going to be amazing. And, you know, look where we are today. Shuttles retired and we barely have the same service available today. But that's why I'm so excited about SLS. That's why I'm so excited about Starship. That's why I'm so excited about SL or HLS and SLD, because this is what I wanted to happen like 30 years ago. And it's happening today. So I'm really excited. Okay. So we're seeing all the space boom happening, right? And, you know, when we think about things like Futurama, right, you know, space travel is just a whatever. So obviously this means we're headed towards Futurama, which means... Maybe we'll get to the point where you might not have your full body with you when we land on Mars, but maybe your head will be in a jar and still be able to observe it. So it could happen. I am rewatching season one of Altered <laughs> Carbon. So, yeah, it's interesting thinking about that in those terms. Yeah. Well, thank you for updating us on this. And uh, I look forward to you also being a part of this mission somehow. Maybe head in a jar is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we go, Chris, 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 I, I, I got something to, I, I, I have to, I have to break up with you, Chris Farrell. Ooh. I'm sorry. <gasps> oh no. I'm you're no sorry. longer buddies. I have a phone and so do you. Look at that. It was a pixel too. That makes us pixel buddies. For a limited time. Some of the music heard was by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Okay, te technically not fully true yet because I actually still have my Pixel, uh, my, my Pixel 6 right now. However, uh, I actually, for a very brief time this weekend, did have in my possession a uh, regular model, lower model, S23. But uh, I actually had to take it back to the store because I needed, I wanted the higher capacity. Just, you know, I had, I'd gone in actually looking for the 256 gig version. And they didn't have them in stock. And the guy's like, well, you know, go with the 128. And if, if you decide against it, you got a few days, come on back and, and we'll get you that. He's like, and so I did. And then I brought it back and I was like, yeah, you know, 128 should be fine. I should be fine. And then, you know, I was thinking about the marginal difference. And I'm like, ah, you know what? I should, you know, with higher with with higher res uh, video and stuff. I'm like, I really should have that. So I went and I took them up on that and they had to ship it to me. So I'm waiting on it. However, I have this does this is me saying that I have decided that I am going to at least for this next cycle leave the Pixel ecosystem and it's a few different reasons why um I have to say a good part of it is that I I I got felt really burned by the way Google handled my warranty claim this past winter. I was without my phone for a very very long time. I took a while of getting that um but also just some you know in our chat over in the Discord server I've I've shared I've had a few weird quirks on there and i want to see what the one ui does and i have to say when i when i did briefly use the s23 um it felt snappier i have to say that it did feel snappier than pixels version now um i'm going to not give any feedback yet because it was very limited experience but i'm going to be missing out on some of the google ai features there's some things in the samsung side of things i look forward to seeing um that pixels have not had and I'm I'm looking forward to see. And I am making this change to the S23 
um, for a couple reasons. Uh, one is the size wise. I actually sat there and I, I tried to convince myself a bunch of different ways to either go to the S23 plus, which is the same size as my Google plus or my Google six. I mean, um, or tried to go to the S23 ultra, which would be even bigger. But in the end, I, after using the pixel six for a little while have decided I, I want to go down in size. I, I don't like the bigger size at the moment. I don't think I do. I feel like it's the Pixel 6 itself is a little heavy, heavy for me. As far as where the S23 Plus and the Ultra go, the S23 Plus is the same physical size as the Pixel 6, but slightly lighter. S23 Ultra is bigger and heavier. So for me, I wanted to have a bit lighter phone, something a little smaller. I find sometimes just the bigger phone, like I don't, if I'm going to do something long term, I always go to my laptop or my computer. It's just what I do. That's just where I gravitate. Even after the couple of years of owning the Pixel 6, I tend to go there. So for me, day-to-day -day operation, I want a little smaller phone. So that's sort of the price point. And that's actually why I didn't chime into the Pixel 7a talk very much. Because I, I actually had considered that as well, the Pixel 7a. But just with some of these other things, I want to just... This next one, I'm going to go off. I'm going to see what I miss. And maybe, you know, it'll be a regret uh, who knows? Maybe by the time I get it, I got I got 15 days to uh, do something. Maybe within the first 15 days, I'll go. This is awful, and I'll 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 not even have it by the next podcast. But we will see. Time will tell. But at the moment, Chris, I'm sorry. I I am breaking up with you as a Pixel buddy. Have fun with Bixby. <laughs> uh, Google Assistant actually <laughs> still works on it, so they've yeah. Actually... But you have a dedicated Bixby button. You can't reprogram. Yeah, but you know what? I I I'm don't. Just messing with you. I, I don't, don't even use. Honestly, I don't even use the Google Assistant. That's the other aspect of it, anyways. Is I don't use it much. I wish they would let you remap the button. That's my biggest heartburn with mm, it. I haven't looked at that that part yet, which is which is fine. I don't. I don't use the buttons when I do, but I did know when I went through the setup, it did actually have me program out of the box. Actually, it had me pro or it pop up the prompt about Google Assistant and the Hey Google thing. So that was out of the box. Oh, you like, just I triggered really... everyone's devices. Oh, shoot. I didn't think about that. Uh, <laughs> but but I did actually I was surprised when I saw that actually as I went through the setup of, of the 128 version was that out of the box. It actually was talking about Google Assistant. I didn't expect that. So I haven't had a look into it yet. So I, I can't really comment that much about that sort of stuff. And I won't pretend that I did because it was really very little time that I put on that before I went. No, this is this is the wrong decision. Go with your gut. So anyways, um, that's where it is. We'll see where we are by the next episode. Um, we'll see. The grass isn't always greener, and I'm prepared for this one. And the, there's a sale on right now, and the price is right um, for me to go with that, especially on the S23 and not the Plus or the Ultra. So we will see. So I'm interested on your take on the three lens aperture versus the five lens aperture. You won't have the five to compare it to, but no. you will have your current phone versus the three lenses. So mm -hmm. I'm interested in that. And uh, if you're saying the grass is always greener over the septic tank, absolutely it is. <laughs> and Chris, you, you mentioned Wink is taking a poo right now. Just want to say for both cases, I do have a working toilet that can help with the poo and the septic tank. Perfect. Issue. I'm glad to hear. Excellent. Go find out more about that in our channel called Toilet Talk. I'm going to be Discord. <laughs> So anyways, uh, we, I will report back once I have a little more experience. We will see. Um, or maybe I won't. Maybe it'll be a matter of, of I won't have it by the next time. And, and maybe it'll be a two year from now follow up where I go, wow, that was a mistake. I'm so glad to go back to the Pixel and like the Pixel 10 or I something. I mean, at this point, the feature parity between all of them is pretty much the same. There's just minor differences. 
I was I will say this. I felt familiar while I was trying to do the initial setup. So I was so happy because like my dad for a long time was was a Samsung user and I never could find anything on his phone as far as settings go. I could. I felt like, you know, with Samsung's one UI, it really felt like they went, okay, we got it wrong. Let's go back to to stock Android and just modify from there. Things felt very familiar. Gone are the touch whiz days where yeah. it felt like a completely different. Like when I had my S6, I made sure I ran a third party launcher on it because I hated the default Samsung stuff so much. Was it Nova Launcher? Yeah, it was Nova Launcher. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I still like Nova Launcher, but I don't feel that I need it as much anymore because the default launcher on the Pixel devices does what I yeah. want it to and doesn't look like poo. Well, I will report back. And if you want to ask me questions, come to our Discord server, gunnageek.com slash Discord, and I will answer them, answer them as I, you know, actually get the phone. We'll see. So if you guys want to check out some other awesome podcasts, you can check out Chris Farrell on the... All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. We record schedules off. Just pay attention to our social media if you want to see when we're recording, because <laughs> I think it's about to change again. Also, you can find SP on the... Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, where we talk all about the properties, the screen properties coming out of Marvel Studios. We're going to be covering the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming up in our next recording. I do have two other podcasts before that to get out. And I am curious as to what our schedule is going to be in the future with the writer's strike affecting Marvel Studios production. It seems like Secret Invasion is done in the can and ready to go here in a couple of weeks. But beyond that, I don't know. Time will tell. And if you're wondering about the Gonna Geek recording schedule, we did post it in the Discord server. However, this I will say on here. At the moment, these are the dates that were scheduled to live stream going forward. So you can expect if you listen to this after the fact, somewheres around this time. Now, these may change. We are... Proud hobby podcasters. Sometimes we change things randomly as things come up. And and who knows? But this is the current schedule for the remainder of the year. So you can expect releases the week following these-ish. Uh, the next one will be on Monday, June 12th. Then Monday, July 17th. Then Monday, August 7th. Monday, September 11th. Monday, October 2nd. And then Monday, November 6th. And there may not be a Christmas episode. There won't be a live stream, but there there might be. We'll we'll see. We'll, December TBD. December is TDB. I, I definitely for me, you know, the baby is due Thanksgiving American Thanksgiving time frame. So it might be a little sporty in my house, and I might not be able to record with transiting guests. Seeing the baby. they don't live with us anymore, but we're like the closest guest rooms that mm. they're able to come to. And we're really close. So what's the yeah. room right there? Uh, <laughs> cleaning. Lots and lots of cleaning. You should just say, look, I've got this on Airbnb. You got to pay more than them. Yeah. <laughs> Along this line, actually, I wanted to bring this up. They actually got a Facebook portal. It was new in the box, oh, yeah. but it was like a garage sale or whatever. And they got it because their family aren't on iOS and they can't do FaceTime. So they got it specifically for that side of the family that they could show the baby off to long distance. You know, they're states, a country away, basically. And uh, I'll report back on how they like using it. It is old technology, but it's curious that they chose that to use in 2023. 
I've used that myself. I actually have one. I only use it a couple of times, but that's just because I don't really have contacts that I use it with. Um, I, I actually have it fully disconnected because I don't trust it to leave powered um, amongst the many other things. But I, I do actually have one as well. And it's it's OK. Yeah, it's OK. Um, it, I think I got it in 2020 um, around then, but I, this I is actually the Gen 1. It's not the Meta Portal, which I believe is Gen 2. Okay. So it would be the Gen 1. Gotcha. So uh, maybe I should FaceTime them. That would be awkward. All right. So for episode 401 of the Official Gonna Geek Show, I'm Steven saying, Chris, it's not you. It's me. I'm Chris. Steven thinks this is the first time someone broke up with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm soon to be Grandpa SP saying, we'll see you everybody next month. Hi. I feel like your beard's going to be bigger now, now that you'll be a grandpa, SP. Got the Santa SP coming. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next show. <laughs>